Welcome to the podcast of Selmore Baptist Church in Ozark, Missouri. To learn more about our church, please visit selmorebaptist.com. And now, here's the sermon. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Psalm 150. We're going to be looking at Psalm 150 this morning. Thank you, James. Thank you to our praise team. Good to see some new faces on the platform today. That's always good. And Thank you to all of you. That was beautiful singing, beautiful worship this morning. Today, we come to our last psalm in our summer sermon series, which is kind of sad because it also means summer's coming to an end. But the last psalm in this series, in the book of Psalms, in fact, is Psalm 150. As we've seen throughout this series, the book of Psalms is rich in theological content. It is rich in doctrine and wisdom and prophecy. But first and foremost, Psalms is a book of praise. Psalms is the songbook of the church. Thus, it is fitting that the last psalm in the book is a praise psalm that ties the entire book together with a nice, pretty bow. And and really, one could say the last five psalms of this book, if you look at them, actually serve this purpose. Psalm 150 is a brief but intense exhortation to the people of God to praise our King with everything that we are and with everything that we have at our disposal because He is worthy. Amen? Now, you've already heard Pastor Bill read this psalm. I'm going to take a few minutes now and expound on it. And in order to do that, I'm going to lead us in asking four questions of this text. So for you note takers, you can try to jot these down real quick, but we'll put them on the screen as we go along this morning as well. But just so you know where we're going, the four questions are these. Number one, where should we praise God? Number two, for what should we praise God? Number three, how should we praise God? And then finally, number four, who should praise God? So without further ado, let's jump into our text and we'll seek to answer that first question. Where should we praise God? By reading verse 1. Here is what it says. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. So again, the question, where do we praise God? According to this verse, we praise Him in two places. Number one, in His sanctuary. And number two, in his mighty firmament, or we might say the sky above us. Now, regarding verse 1 and where we praise God, there's a couple of different ways that this verse could be interpreted. First of all, it could be interpreted as the sanctuary referring to the earth below and the firmament or the sky referring to the heavens above. So the idea would be that those of us here on the earth are praising God even while the heavenly hosts are praising God as well. Uh, One song that captures this thought nicely is the doxology, which we sing from time to time. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. What's the next line? Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So that's one idea of what this verse could mean. There's also a second interpretation that it could mean the sanctuary being the formal reserved place of worship, and the firmament simply referring to the rest of the earth outside God's big sky where we worship God anywhere that we are. 
Um, I tend to lean a little bit toward the latter interpretation. So, yes, we praise God when we come to the formal place of worship. In the Old Testament, that was the temple. For us, it's the church house. It could be a less formal setting. Sanctuary could be a storefront in the inner city or a basement in China or a shade tree in Africa. It just refers to wherever God's people gather. But the point is that it's important for us to come together with the people of God on the Lord's day, in the Lord's house, wherever that may be, and give him praise. We must never neglect the importance of corporate worship. However, that's not the only place we praise God. Amen? This is important, but it's not the only place we praise God. If the church house is the only place we praise God, we've got a serious problem. This is why verse 1 says we also praise him in his mighty firmament, meaning there's a great big world out there under the firmament, under the sky, under the sun and the moon and the stars that God has created. And that firmament, it says, shows his might. Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. When's the last time that you looked at a sunrise or a sunset or a big thunderhead with, with lightning? Rachel and I saw one of those on our way home last night. It was so beautiful. Or when's the last time you looked at a rainbow and just said in your heart, thank you, Lord. I praise you for this beautiful world that you've made, that you've placed us in. We need to praise him in here, but we need to praise him out there as well. All the time, wherever we are, God is worthy of our praise. So that answers the question, where should we praise God? The next question is, for what should we praise God? And that is addressed in verse 2. Here's what it says. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. For what do we praise God? Again, we see two things here. Number one, we praise him for what he does, his mighty acts. And number two, we praise him for who he is, his excellent greatness. Let's break this down a bit to make sure that we understand the distinction between these two things. First, it is good to praise God for what he does. Any good thing that you and I have in this life is because of God period. And so every chance we get, we should praise him specifically for the mighty acts that he has done on our behalf, listing them out by name. When's the last time you said, Lord, I just want to praise you for my spouse. I praise you for my kids, for my grandkids. I praise you for my home and a roof over my head. I praise you for my church family. I praise you for my job. And on and on we could go. That kind of praise in which we praise him for specific mighty acts that he has done on our behalf should be a constant part of our prayer life and worship to the Lord. That should be a daily exercise. The old hymn says, count your blessings, name them, right? One by one. That does two things. Number one, it ensures that we give God the praise that he is due. And number two, it ensures that we maintain a grateful heart as we recount God's blessings to us. And it ensures we do not take 
his blessings for granted. Excuse me. Pages ever stick together? Now, not only do we praise God for what he does, we also praise him for who he is. In other words, we praise God for who scripture reveals him to be at his core. We praise him for his divine attributes. So it's not only I praise you, God, for what you've done for me, because if we're being honest, sometimes when we're going through trials, it's difficult for us to feel blessed. Even though we know that we are, it's difficult sometimes for us to feel that way. But even in those dark times, we can still always praise God for who he is. Because regardless of our circumstance, which changes, who God is never changes. And so it's, Lord, I praise you, for you are a God of excellent greatness. I praise you because you are good. I praise you because you are a God of grace and mercy. You are a God who is holy and just. You, O oh Lord, are a God of love, and you are faithful, and you always keep your promises. And so you see, even when our circumstances are bad, even when it seems like everything is going against us, we can always praise God for who he is. Oh, the comfort and peace that floods our soul when we praise God for who he is, particularly when we're in the middle of life storms. All right, let's move on to question number three. Question number three is, how should we praise God? And for that, we're going to read verses three through five. Here's what those verses say. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. How should we praise God? According to these verses, with any instrument we can get our hands on. We said a couple weeks ago, when we looked at Psalm 100, music is one of God's greatest gifts to mankind. Music is powerful. Music can touch our heart and stir our emotions like few other things in God's creation. Like most things, music is a double-edged sword. It can be used in a good way. It can also be used in a bad way. But certainly it is clear from Scripture that God intends us to utilize music, both the singing of our voices and the playing of instruments, as a tool to give Him the praise and the worship that He is due. Indeed, Scripture tells us that even in heaven there will be Music. Revelation 5 depicts the singing and playing of harps as the elders worship the Lamb who was slain. With that being said, we don't have to wait for heaven to sing and to praise God. In some sense, when we gather here and sing and praise God, the kingdom is here and now. We can praise God right now, redeeming every sound. Every noise, every chord, 
every instrument for his glory because he is worthy. When you look at this list of instruments in verses 3 through 5, you see a little bit of everything there, don't you? We see a trumpet. We see a lute, which was a stringed instrument that was plucked with your finger. We also see a harp, which was also a stringed instrument that they would pluck with a pick. We see a timbrel, which is basically a tambourine. We see dance. Oh, my. We even use our body as an instrument. I'm not going to demonstrate that for you today. But it's there. I'm just saying. We see stringed instruments similar to the guitars that we see on the stage today. Pastor Bill said a while ago, Can, does that include fiddles and banjos? And sure, it does. Loud cymbals, crashing cymbals. I'm not a musician. That shocks many of you, I know. But I was in middle school band. So I feel like I have some authority to speak to this. It's kind of like I'm not a doctor, but I stayed at Holiday Inn Express last night. So I was in middle school band. I was actually a drummer for three years as a young teenager. But I remember in band them teaching us, you have families of instruments, right? You have woodwinds and you have brass and you have strings and you have percussion. Guess what? All of those are represented in these verses. Any instrument becomes a holy vessel of worship when it's in the hands of a blood-bought believer praising the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care if it's blowing into a whiskey jug or playing spoons or the plastic recorder that you get in elementary school. If it's being used to worship Jesus, it is holy. Now, that's not to say there's not principles that should guide corporate worship. There certainly are. Regardless of instrumentation, the songs we sing when we gather together should have biblically faithful lyrics. They should be songs that can be easily learned by God's people. They should be songs that lend themselves to congregational singing. But the point is that God's given us lots of really cool and beautiful instruments to do that with. You know, Paul once told Timothy, and I want you to follow my thinking here for just a moment, but Paul told Timothy, every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving, for he says it's sanctified by the word of God and prayer. I think the psalmist is essentially saying here, every instrument of God is good, and it's not to be refused if it's played with thanksgiving and if it is sanctified by the worship of God. So praise God for the gift of music. Praise Him that He put it in the heart of man to craft all kinds of musical instruments, to make all kinds of beautiful sounds to worship our King. Praise Him that He has gifted people to lead His church in singing and the playing of instruments. I praise God for James. I praise him for his leadership. I praise God for all the people that are up here on this platform every single Sunday using the gifts that God has given them to lead us in worship. What a wonderful gift God has given to his church in that way. Well, that brings us to our last question then that we see answered in verse 6. And that last question is, who should praise the Lord? Who should praise God? 
And so let's read verse 6 to answer that. It's really complicated and complex. Are you ready? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, who should praise the Lord? Very simple. Everything that has breath. I think when it says everything, it means everything. Even the animals praise God in their own way. When the animals do what he created them to do, they glorify and testify to their creator. When the deer leaps, when the turkey struts, when the coyotes howl, when the fish swim, when the birds sing their songs, when the squirrels do their squirrely things, they tell us, they're telling us, if we'll listen, there is a creator and he is awesome. But praising God doesn't just fall to the animals. It falls primarily to us. In fact, as the image bearers of God, mankind should lead all of creation in praising the Lord. And by the way, not just the people up here. They're leading us, but all of us should be singing to the Lord, praising Him, praising our God. Not just the people with good good voices, not just the people who even can carry a tune, but all of us. Let me ask you this morning, do you regular, excuse me, regularly praise the Lord? I hope so, because that's what you were created to do, is to give Him glory. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you should be using that breath to praise God. Praise Him in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament. Praise Him for what He's done. Praise Him for who He is. Praise Him with any instrument you can find. Praise Him with your own voice. But whatever you do, praise God. He is worthy of our praise. In just a moment, we're going to have a, a time of response and then... In response to the text that we've read today, we're going to sing just a little bit more than we normally would after the sermon. We're going to, put, we're going to apply the text before we leave. We're going to sing praise to God. But before we do that, I want to say one more thing and a very important thing. All of us were created to praise God, but there's a problem. We're also sinners, and sin separates us from God, preventing us from giving him the praise that he is due. The only way that we can be reconciled to God, to give him the praise that he deserves and desires, is to come to him through faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if we will repent or turn from our sin and believe on Jesus, his death for us in our place on the cross, his resurrection, and then call out to him for salvation, that Jesus will save us, that he will give us eternal life, and then through him, we can come into God's presence, having assurance of our standing before him, and then and only then can we give him the praise that he is due. In just a moment, as I said, we're going to have a song of response. If there's anyone here today who has never committed your life to Christ, you've never repented of your sin and put your trust in Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. 
When we sing here in a moment, I'm going to be standing here at the front of the room. And if you're here today and you're ready to become a follower of Jesus and you desire to give God praise through his son, then you can come to me and say, Josh, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. And I would love to lead you in a prayer of commitment of your life. And then we'll let everyone know the decision that you've made. If you're here today and have any other decision you need to make for Jesus, or if you'd just like to come pray, that's what this time is for as well. It's just a chance for you to do whatever God is leading you to do. So let's stand at this time. The musicians are going to come back to the platform. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And then we'll have our song of response. Father, thank you for this psalm. Thank you for this wonderful book. Lord, maybe more than any other book in the Bible, you've provided this book for us to lean into when we need you most. Thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, for this reminder that you've given us at the end of this book. That first and foremost, our job as a part of your creation and specifically as an image bearer is to give you the praise and the glory that you deserve. Help us to do that. Help us to be faithful to do that. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today who needs to come to you through faith in Jesus, that you would give them the courage to step out and make that commitment right now. We give this time to you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.